Newsworthy Weekly, delivering the best of humanity every Saturday. Here's your hosts, Allison Rosen and Todd Perry. Hello, everybody. This is Upworthy Weekly. My name is Todd Perry, and with me is the wonderful Allison Rosen. I'm a staff writer, by the way, at Upworthy, so lots of the stuff you read, it comes from this beautiful noggin. And uh, Allison, you know her from Allison Rosen is your new best friend, and childish with comedian Greg Fitzsimmons. And I want to ask you a question to begin with, instead of asking you how you're doing. Um, it's been a while since I skanked. Really? Yeah, I haven't skanked in, in a minute. in my mind, you're, you're never not skanking. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar, uh, many years ago, there was a, a big thing called the, the, the ska craze that overtook America for like three annoying years. And... <laughs> And if you went to a ska show, you did a dance called the skank where you'd get real low and you kind of shake your booty a little bit and you'd rock your arms back and forth. Um, and there was bands called like Skank and Pickle. And it was a whole deal. Someone taught me the skank one day. Carrie, God bless her. Lovely, lovely girl. Taught me. And Tashi. Tashi taught me how to skank. Tashi taught me how to skank is a, a documentary a, it I'm sounds make like a, one day. Yeah, I mean, it also sounds like a ska song. Mm. I love it. Everyone should know I'm from Orange County, home of third wave ska. There's been three waves of ska. Maybe there's even a fourth. So I feel emotionally close to this. Also, Todd, I know you're in the midst of asking me a question that isn't how I am, but I have to tell you, uh, I didn't hear the music at the beginning. So we are not firing on all cylinders technically. All right. Well, I just wanted you to rate my skank. Oh, can I see it again, please? This is a great visual bit for everybody listening. Who's listening? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it six out of 10 trombones. Ah, very good. So it's almost the entire real big fish horn section is what you're saying. <laughs> That's right. Now you might be thinking six out of 10 trombones, wither the other four. Uh, and it's just because I can't see your passion. This feels like a perfunctory, and don't take it the wrong way. It feels like a perfunctory skank. And maybe this is because I'm seeing the replay, but I just, I want to see what Tashi taught you. I feel like when Tashi taught you to skank, there was more heart and soul in it. And this is just, you're just going through the motions right now. Okay. <sighs> was that fair? Do you feel that's a fair assessment? I'm not going to give it away. Well, maybe she taught me how to skank. But I, I, my, my ears weren't completely open. You know, like right. in the scene, White ready. Man, my, the White Man, the, the movie, The White Man Can't Jump. In the movie, White Man Can't Jump, you're like, you can listen to Jimmy, but you can't hear Jimmy. Like maybe mm -hmm. there was some nuance in Ta Tashi's skank that I did not pick up on, obviously. That's what I'm saying. The skank comes to you when you're ready to skank. And I think you weren't in the right place yet. Maybe uh. now you are because you're bringing it up apropos of nothing i think what i need to do is i need to go and dig into my wife who's from orange county's cd collection yes. and pick up some bucko nine yes. and some yes ska mm. and some skankin pickle and some real big fish and some last waltz donkeys i just made that one up because i'm looking at my video of the last waltz that i have over here but 
that that yeah. should be another bit. We should just do an entire show one day where we name ska bands for for okay. to create the fourth wave. Sure. I mean, let's alienate our listeners. Why not? <laughs> just a little bit more. <laughs> On today's show, we're going to review some of Upworthy's most popular and engaging stories from May 9th to the 13th. We've got stories about a couple that lives on a cruise ship, a program that teaches suicidal people stand-up comedy, and fascinating cultural facts. But first, Allison has a news story about something we should all know. This, okay, look. Upworthy, the best of humanity, positive stories, oftentimes stories involving dogs, less... Frequently, a.k.a. not ever in the time I've been doing this show, stories about cats, but that could change any minute now, except that we everyone thinks Todd hates cats, and from where I sit, it does seem that it's possible that you do. I can't say for sure. But look, this story does not make me feel upworthy. This story makes me feel kind of bad, but it's useful information. Get this, everyone. A pelvic floor doctor explains why going pee, quote, just in case, is actually a really bad idea. Now, if you're anything like me or anything like every adult on the planet, I think, and most children, you've been trained to go to use the toilet just in case before you leave the house. If you're going to go on a car ride, pretty much any time you're going somewhere where you're not going to have access to the toilet... I'm going to pee just in case. That's what I do. I, I, I'm peeing right now just in case. I do it mm. all. I mean, my situation, this is why it, I, feel per, this, I feel personally attacked by this because I go all the time. I go before I leave the house. I go when I arrive somewhere. I go when I'm about to leave that place. I might go in the middle of wherever I am at that. I mean, just like it is just nonstop with me. But that is a separate story. This is not about me. This is about this pelvic floor doctor who says this is a bad idea. Well, let's hear it from the doctor just so people don't come after you for espousing wild medical advice. Like somebody, you know, listening to this show in a car is going to go, oh, well, I guess they don't really have to go to the bathroom and then urinate all over the interior of their car. So let's get it from a doctor here. Always go to the bathroom when you have a chance. Nope, don't do that. Pelvic floor physical therapist here, so I work with a lot of people with overactive bladder, stress incontinence, urge incontinence, the whole nine yards. And here's why you shouldn't go just in case. Your bladder basically has three levels of sensation of filling. So this first one is just an awareness level that tells you that there's some urine in the bladder. The second one is actually the one that tells you to make a plan to use the toilet. And then the third one is kind of the panic button that says, get me there right now, I'm about to overflow. If we're going just in case, it means we're going somewhere in here. So before we actually get an urge to use the toilet. And so if we're doing this all the time, like this creator suggests that we should, then our bladder starts getting these data points as, oh, okay, well, maybe we should be sending this signal a little sooner. So let's shift this line down. And so now... It's, it's wild for me to think that my bladder has data points, but science. ...going to start getting that urge to go a lot sooner than before. Over time, this compresses those three levels together. And so the difference between feeling like there's some urine in your bladder and feeling that panic button like you're about to pee your pants is going to happen in a much shorter amount of time. So actually avoid the just in case unless you're going to be in the car for longer than an hour, once before bed or before or after sex. I want to help you because you are going to the bathroom far too often. Thank you. And you are probably, I assume, missing out on time with your family, friends, loved ones. Uh, obviously, this habit is not atomic. Um, oh boy, here we know. go. 
so I, I figured this. I'm, you know, as the producer of this show, I don't know if I'm the executive producer, but I think that means you don't do anything when, when you're the executive producer of something. If you're the producer, you actually do it, right? Yeah, um, you, yeah I've, exactly. I've instituted a new new rule, and this is going to be part of your contract signed by Joseph R. Upworthy, CEO and founder of uh, Upworthy, that uh, Allison is not allowed a pee break anymore while doing the show. Well, I don't know if I'm signing off on this, but I guess I have to. I mean, it may be a condition of your employment. So, you know, you just, because here's the thing, but it's, it's good medicine. It's good medicine for you to get you off. It feels like tough love. We got to get you off the pot. Okay. You're just constantly (laughs) running over to pee. Uh, It's an environmental disaster with the amount of flushing you're doing and with the amount of toilet paper. Toilet paper. Yeah. (laughs) No, sometimes I'll pee twice before leaving the house. Cause I'll be like, I don't think that one took. Oh. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, it's crazy. And my wife asked me this question earlier today because she didn't know, um, and I think it, it bears well for our relationship that she didn't have this intimate knowledge. But um, mm. are you scrunching or are you rolling? She wanted she wanted to know what I'm doing. Not you, no, no not you personally. She asked me, <laughs> and I'm. She, <laughs> okay. She's like, hey, if you get Allison. You get Allison on that show today. I've I've got my theory about what happens, but is she scrunching or is she rolling? You know, I'm trying to think what I do because I feel that I've answered this in the past, and then I th- and then I realized that I was wrong. I so I'm closing my eyes and I'm recreating my precious bathroom time. I am folding. Oh, I'm scrunching if I'm in a rush. I'm n- I never roll, but I fold. You know what? I That's... make a nice little I make a nice little like uh little pile. It's neat, but it's not rolled. It's folded. Okay, I, you're doing like the what origami. You, you know, you know the funny thing is we're saying I make a swan. <laughs> we're twins. Oh, really? Yeah. That's why we're such good podcast partners. That's right. It's because I'm I'm also folding. Uh, just because you don't you don't want breakage, you don't want an accidental mm. penetration going on. Now the scrunchy people, this makes zero sense to me because they're like, from what I assume, they're wadding things up in a ball. They're like making the toilet paper into like a golf ball, and then and and then cleaning the area. My fear is that you've made an accordion and it's gonna like. It's going to um, diff- diffuse when it's like doing its business. And then all of a sudden you've got like something that's going to like unfurl. I mean, it just sounds messy. It's confusing to me and messy. Yeah. And it's got to be hard to check and see whether you're done when you don't have a flat surface from flat. which to judge. Right. And, you right. know, and, and get an idea of what isn't clean, you know? Yes. Have you explored a bidet? You know, I've got a buddy. My buddy Oscar swears by it. My buddy Jim swears by it. Uh, they're really pushing me towards it. Uh, my buddy Dune is a bidayer. I don't know. I think it's something I don't want to get into because, first of all, I'm a Luddite. I'm, you know, I'm not that into technology. Uh, but then if I get used to the bidet, 
then I'm not going to be able to function in a bidetless world. That's what, yes, that's what they say. But um, I don't know how true it is. I think we're going to do it. I think we're going to go, we're going to turn, we're going to go the bidet way. Are you going to go to the bidet store? We're going to get an electrician and everything. (laughs) You're going to go to the bidet store and. And in all their toilets. (laughs) Is that going to make it into the show, Todd? We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> uh, do you have a story? Uh, oh, a news story? Or, or a story about yeah. bidets? I'm in, a new, I'm in a news story. Upworthy Weekly. Hi, I'm Alex Schmidt, and I want you to be excited about everything. That's why I make my podcast. It's called Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. On each episode, we take one thing that people think is ordinary, and we get into the history and the science and the stories that prove it's actually the title of the podcast, Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Search Secretly Incredibly Fascinating in your podcast player. Go ahead and start with whatever episode topic looks the most fun. A big buildup. Can you see it in your head? I love this. Love. Love. Oh yeah. Exciting and new. This is how we get pulled off of Spotify. Come aboard. It's again with our references We're that only young people get. You love. Sweetest reward. I could just listen to this all day. Let it flow. Is is there anything more aspirational than hearing that? You're like, man, I'm gonna go out on the high seas. I'm gonna find love, and the bartender Ted Lang is making like the the guns, the double gun. Like he pours a cocktail, yes. does the gun, and like the most is that early... gopher? No, gopher. Gopher was no. Gopher was like, I don't know, he was like the potsy of the show, you know? Okay. He's had the brown hair. It was the, what was the, the bartender's name? There was the doc who was Bernie Capel, Ted Lang. Oh, I right. don't know. They call him Drink. Captain was Gavin McLeod. Yes. And then there was Vicky, Lauren mm-hmm. Twos or something. Was that Ga- Captain's daughter? Yeah, uh, no, she was like the, the cruise director, I think. Oh, there, there was Julie. Julie was this the cruise director. This is not director. interesting to anyone. Yeah, no, okay. But I, right. I will say, Love Boat did have Ted McGinley come on in the last couple episodes, which was yes. always the harbinger of death for any show the moment Ted McGinley arrived. <laughs> but so why why are we playing this, you know, cruise music here? And it's because this week... I earned it. I, this is actually one of the most popular stories Upworthy has ever done. Um, we did a story. I uh, did a story about a couple that's living in their fifties, and they live permanently on a cruise ship. And this thing took off. Uh, it's been the most popular thing Upworthy has put out in months. And basically, there's a couple named the Burks, and they love cruising Isaac. so much. Oh. You're right. You're right. Um, I had to find out. Okay. Uh, and 
Angeline, who is one of the gal, the the wife in the couple, uh, says, "quote We love to travel, and we're searching for a way to continuously travel in our retirement that made financial sense." And they looked into deals uh, through like loyalty memberships, factored in like how much money they could get from selling their home, and realizing they could totally afford to live hopping from cruise ship to cruise ship for the rest of their life. So I did a little bit of math. I did some math on this. So she says it costs about $88 a night for the couple to stay on the ship. Um, Hmm. And so I calculated that. And that's because she gets special deals because they're frequent, frequent cruisers. And so that comes to 32 grand a year. And then if you think about it, if they sold their house, the average house in Seattle where they live is like $950,000, right? So that mortgage would cost you fifty grand a year. Or if you sold the house and took the money and say you put it in a reasonable investment, it's giving you 5% a year, that's kicking out enough money after taxes for you to just pay forever to stay on a cruise. I didn't realize... I I didn't realize they're constantly moving from cruise ship to cruise ship though. Like where's all their stuff? They only have one suitcase each. Oh my word. Where do That's they d- I'm a this just shows how what we've learned about me from this episode is that I'm no fun and I need to pee all the time. Like, what if they just want to, like, take a load off for and just sit down? Where do they go? I mean, I guess you can do that on a cruise ship. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, they, they don't have a place to call their own to just kick back. What if they get the flu or something and they need to just hang out and watch TV and sleep? Well, any you could just stay in your room and watch TV and sleep. And then think about it. Also, from what know. we know from the love boat... The boat's going to have a doctor on it. Yeah, I know, so, but you know what I mean. Bernie Capel goes up there, goes, oh, you have <laughs> you have COVID-19 for the 17th time this month. And <laughs> right, checks him out. you haven't been able to isolate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the one thing. It's like, imagine how often you'd get COVID on that. Even if, you know, you'd have to, you'd have to be getting a booster shot every 17 minutes being on a cruise ship. <laughs> You would have to just get a a COVID vaccine pump dispenser. Yeah. Yeah. And, but but think about it though. So you you pay that and then if you need to buy something, you buy it on the boat or you know, oh, we're in Mazatlan this week. Um, let's just go out to the dress shop and I'll get something new. Oh, I gotta get some underwear or you know, whatever you're doing. And then you don't have to pay for groceries because you've got like all you can eat forever. Right. Like, yeah, food-wise, you're set. You've got buffets as far as the eye can see. And just think about it, most of your expenses are just completely covered. Allison, have you ever been on a cruise? I never have. Have you? No, I don't think so. But I think I'm. I think I'm inching Wait towards. Wait a minute. I'm sorry. Let's replay that. Allison, have you, have you ever been on a cruise? No, I haven't. Have you? No, I don't think so. Wouldn't you know if you have? What do you mean? I said, I said, have you ever been on a cruise? And you said, no, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, I'm looking for something more definitive. I have not been on a cruise. Okay, thank you. <laughs> but I am. 
bro. <laughs> like, man, that Todd, he's really dumb. He's like, I don't know. Could have I am getting towards the age where a cruise sounds like a good idea. I think the COVID thing kind of pushed back that a little bit, but I don't know if anybody who was in their 20s that was like, yeah, we should go on a cruise. But right. as you get older, I think once 50 hits, you're just like, oh my God, I can't wait to get back on the big boat, you know? Mm. I Okay, so here's the thing. I get seasick, so a cruise does not sound fun to me. Um, even though I've been told like, oh, in fact, my friggin' dad told me, no, the thing is, the thing about big boats is you don't get seasick on big boats. So we went on this hundred car ferry. Uh, when I was 12, I drove across the country with my family. It was a very memorable and most of it not positive trip. It was a very long, very educational trying trip in a lot of ways and I couldn't even fathom a hundred car ferry like that's so big uh and I got wildly seasick on this so I think he's full of or I'm very sensitive it's gotten to the point where I watch a television show where characters are on a boat and I watch it and I'm like I feel vaguely nauseated and I would never even want to be on the boat that these characters are on so I don't a cruise would not be for me but our friend Lauren uh, has been wanting, she was supposed to go on a Disney cruise. Yeah. And then she writes a podcast. News, I, have, we, I haven't personally talked to her about this, but she writes this um, pod, podcast, the newsletter, a newsletter about podcasts. And she had been counting down the days that she was going to go on this Disney cruise. And then she had a guest writer writing the newsletter for her who mentioned that her mom, who she was going to go on the cruise with, got COVID, so they weren't able to go. And I haven't had a chance to check in with her, but she must be so disappointed. Because she was, I, like, looking so forward to this cruise. Why didn't she just go? I don't you know? know. we got to find out. You could go alone. You can make friends. She's friendly. She's cool. She's you very know? friendly. We need to find out. I know plenty of people who love cruises. I just don't think I'm the cruising sort. Although I do love Below Deck, the show about charter cruises. <laughs> it's a reality show. Oh, okay. Charter ships. They're not cruises. I mean, they're, like, private charter boats. But the idea of the idea of being itinerant like that, the idea of not having a home base and just going from like one boat to the next terrifies me. I have a dog. I have so much crap. I just can't imagine it. Where would I pee? You know? Well, you you have the ocean, but as they say, <laughs> but without one nest, a bird can call the world his home or her home. Do they say that? They said I think it was in Fight Club. Okay. But so I, I made a list of pros and cons to living out my life with my wife on a on multiple cruise ships. Oh, that's uh, let's hear it. Just cruising our way to death, you know. <laughs> and that, the pro was all you can eat forever. Mm, you know, okay. but. A, a big part of my day, though, is cooking, and I enjoy cooking, so I guess that would be a con. But um, yeah. I just imagine you got, like, the, the four restaurants on the cruise ship. You know, you got, like, Mexican land, and then you got, like, a Italian place, and you probably got, like, a 50s burger joint that's, like, themed, you know? Yeah. And you just go in between those uh, every day, and I, I could get with that. You and get then I so thought, tired of that, honestly. Really? 
Well, no, because then I'm on another boat. You're like, oh, I remember that one. That one has the pickup sticks. That one's got the Chinese food on it. (laughs) Great. Well, I can't wait for the Chinese food on the princess cruise or the princess Mm -hmm. encounter or whatever they they call it. Um, Right. And I was thinking, like, the amount of drama in your life would be pretty small because you don't have, like, work troubles to worry about. I mean, anybody retired. You're not... Out in, you're not driving around in traffic. You know what's going to happen for your day. Like only thing is, like if someone's rude to you on the boat, or you get into a fight with somebody, and then you're stuck in one of those cruise ship rooms, which is like twelve by six. You mm-hmm. know, uh, then pro pro and also a con would be gambling, right? Because you're you're on a you know you're living in a casino. Another a plus they got. I was looking at Princess Cruises and they have shuffleboard. They That's got, pretty fun. I mean, you get really good at it after a while. Um, you could hustle people on the boat. You, there's a book club. Every night you could go dancing and like clubbing, which I know you'd be totally into, Allison. I love it. You could you could finally perfect your skank. <laughs> right. They have a they have Zumba classes, magic shows. You know, this all that sounds good. And then I was thinking like the cons would be having to be around a lot of people constantly. Yeah. You know, cuz you're, you're in all, a pandemic. Yeah, it's like living in a shopping mall. Mhm. Uh and then also having the I live on cruise ships conversation, which I'm sure <laughs> the first 100 times is great. You know, you're sitting there and you're in the hot tub and Oh, yeah, where are you from? Oh, we're from Poughkeepsie. And it's like, oh, where are you from? Nowhere. <laughs> right. Arr, the seven eventually seas. Co- eventually, they would come up, you'd come up with a cover story because you'd be like, I can't do it. I can't do it again. Yeah. Or, I mean, your life starts to become like Groundhog Day. So you just kind of make up different stories every day because the person's going to go. You're not going to see him ever right. again, you know. Uh, but that's also, I say, as a con because what if you meet someone cool on the boat? Like, oh, they're really nice. Oh, they're going to be gone in three days, you know? Yes. Right. So transient. Uh, Another bad thing would be, and this this relates to it, infidelity. I was wondering about that. Wait, infidelity, do you think that you would want to cheat? I'm not saying me personally. I'm just saying for another couple with another two set of people that aren't named Todd Perry or Sarah Perry. (laughs) Right. Every other couple would fall to this temptation because you think about it, probably drinking a lot. You're hanging out in a pool. You're meeting strangers who are really happy. You've got hotel rooms everywhere. Like you're living in like the Shangri-La of cheating. Probably tons of swingers on cruises. I'm sure like half of everybody's a swinger to not just fall victim to constantly being in a position where you could get it on with somebody or maybe you just kind of are cool with it, you know? Right. Uh, another bad thing, and it also was, was alcoholism. <laughs> because how are you knocking like, eh, it's 10, 10 a.m., you know, have a cocktail, you know. And it's if, interesting. Yeah. You're living a potentially, a, what you're describing is a, under con is a consequenceless life. So really you can fall prey to a lot of vices. Yeah, it's, it's like being a trust fund kid, you know. Right. Uh, and then another bad thing was you can't have a dog. I thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But could you have like a little, like a little tiny dog? What kind of life is that for a tiny dog? 
Yeah, <laughs> the dog never sees dry land ever. Right. You know, yeah, that's that's not so good. And then actually the worst thing I found of, of the cons was icebergs. <laughs> right. Upworthy Weekly. Hey, uh, now I'd like to mention a really great show. Uh, it's called The Only One in the Room. Hosted by Laura Cathcart-Robbins, a writer and recovery thriver and survivor, Laura found herself in an all-too-familiar position. In September 2018, she was the only black woman in the room at Brave Magic, a famed writer's retreat. After it was over, she wrote about her, quote, only one experience in the Huffington Post, and comments started flooding into her DMs. These comments were from people of all races, ethnicities, creeds, and nationalities who had felt othered. Laura beautifully interviews a person about their only one story each episode and addresses as many of those DMs as possible in the process. Our hope is that the only one in the room will inspire a change of perspective in how we see and hear each other's stories. This is a podcast for anyone who has ever felt alone in a room full of people, which is to say that this podcast is for everyone. So, Allison, you got any stories here? I sure do. All right. So a breakthrough approach to therapy is helping people turn trauma into five minute comedy sets. So a woman named Angie Belcher found Uh, founded this program called Comedy on Referral, which is where she takes people uh, and guides them through a program where they turn uh, traumatic events into comedy sets and it's it's really uh it's really fascinating and kind of beautiful and hopeful the way they do it um they do it with the help of psychologists so that the way i said psychologist was weird it was like i uh decided i was gonna say you know what it is really i i I was going to say it's like i decided i was gonna say a different word halfway through because i was going i i was like am i gonna say psychiatrist or psychologist but it's psychologist um they do it with the help of psychologists uh and it helps them, you know, process trauma and process hard stuff. And there's all these kind of studies that show that um, laughter really, you know, helps release endorphins and helps you process hard stuff. And comedy <clears throat> is just a great way to work through tough things. Um, so she has this program. It's a six week long program and it's been very successful. And now uh, London's NHS. A- NHS, which is their national health system, has agreed to fund the program for men at risk of suicide. And typically, this has been a demographic that's especially hard to reach because they've received this diagnosis, but they don't want to go into counseling. So it's really kind of novel that there's now this program for this specific demographic. Um, so it's very, it's very hopeful and sweet and helpful and upworthy. Yeah, that's an interesting sell by the psychologist or, you know, wh- yeah. whoever. Pro- Hear me out on this one, Bill. Uh, you know what might be right for you? Stand up comedy. You yeah. Know, like, what? What? You know, what's going on? I, you know, and I think that a lot of kind of comedy in general is a lot of people working through their issues and mm-hmm. reframing them and turning them into humor and turning them into a shared experience and taking something and getting a reaction from an audience that says, oh, geez, I, I go through that too. You know, yeah. lots of 
you know, lots of things that are funny are funny because it's somebody finally put words to something that everybody was thinking, like when you do your just me or everyone thing, right? It's that the basic thing of that is, is, is that, you know, uh, something everybody can relate to. And I think as well, if, and, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just guessing at it here, but I think sometimes when someone has grief or trauma or, or pain or whatever it is, and like especially a man, they might feel like this is so intense and deep and it makes me feel so vulnerable, whether they're able to put words to that or not, that for me to sit here and just talk about how I feel is too much. But if if instead I can present it comedically, it doesn't make it doesn't leave you so vulnerable. There's strength in that. Yeah. And a lot of times uh, humor is a great way for us to work out things or discuss things that are taboo, like again, yes. like somebody's mental health. And it's a forum where we're allowed to talk about dark things or maybe not anymore because someone will hit you or try to kill you or something if you make a joke. But uh <laughs> Previously, maybe in the UK, you can make a joke without someone trying to kill you or ruin your career. But uh, it's always been the forum, that little special place where people could talk about the darkest and most sinister things, and and people can laugh about them, you know, mm-hmm. and and play with it, play with those ideas that in polite society you can't. Right. Um, good. And Allison, you've done like stand up comedy before. Was I have it done a tiny bit. Yes. Therapeutic. Uh, yes, it was actually. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I am someone who in general enjoys talking sort of, I enjoy extemporaneous stuff more. Like I enjoy this rather than like kind of writing out what I'm going to say ahead of time. And then I think, is that just cause I'm really lazy? Mm. Um, I don't know. This podcasting is a, is the forum that appeals to me more, but for the, for the few, uh, for the little bit of time that I that I tried stand up, I did enjoy it, and sometimes I think maybe I should have stuck with it. Mm. Yeah, you never yeah. know. You got time. I could go back to it. Yeah, you could go back. It's always there. Like it's I could always go to like London that. and get it paid for. That's right. Yeah, but socialism, man. They they got everything <laughs> happening over there. Upworthy Weekly. People share twenty five fun facts about cultures and religions that blew their mind. A Reddit user that's named like Yaha 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 Hash shone a light on some of the most fascinating facts about different cultures and religions that people have come across. Uh, so they posed this question to uh, Reddit. What is something you discovered about a different culture or religion that completely blew your mind? And some of these are cool. This is along with the, the pee-pee story we did earlier is stuff that I know that. Crazy. There's a Turkish, in the Turkish language, there's a thing called gossip tense, a specific kind of past tense that indicates someone else told you this. Oh, that's so interesting. No, well, I, 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 I love can't that. even like conceive of that. Right. It doesn't make sense to me, but I, I get what it is, but I, I would, because I don't, I don't have the words for it, right? I don't have words right. for the gossip tense or what that would sound like in English. You need like a linguist, or, you know. So it'd maybe- be like, it'd be like, uh, like 
Janine slept with Ferdinand. These are common Turkish names. And but you'd put it in this gossip tense so that then the person hearing it would know that you overheard this from Kathleen, another Turkish name. Correct. So maybe slept instead of it being the past tense of they slept together, it would be like sleeping or, you know, there would be some kind of tense to the change in the verb in order to make it seem that way. Clear that this is scuttlebutt. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little. Yeah. I love that. It's it's also called the spilling tea tense. (laughs) I love the hot goss tense. There's a Micronesian island where all the inhabitants are colorblind. They know when a fruit is ripe by its smell. It just gave me a new understanding of how people see the world and the different pathways cultures take to solve the same problems. Interesting. You know what's weird is, um, not to take away from this Micronesian island, but I know a handful of people who are colorblind. It's actually much more common than I was aware. Do you know some colorblind people? I have a difficult time deciphering between different some some colors. Yeah, so I. I oh, live maybe with you're it. you're one of those people then. Yeah, I was trying to remember who the other people are. You're one of them. Yeah, I. It's very difficult when my wife sends me out to buy something at like a Michaels, uh-huh. uh huh, which is a craft craft store. Yes. <laughs> because one time she asked me to go get blue ribbon, and I dutifully brought back purple ribbon, and. <laughs> She was like really mad. And I was like, I can't tell the difference. You know, she's I'd, probably like, then ask someone. <laughs> I, I was always like, Prince really isn't into purple. He's into blue. Come on. Uh, <laughs> but, Are you, but, you know, oh. able to play Wordle? I haven't tried it yet. I figure I'm going to get into it when it's no longer cool. I'm going to be the last I see. guy posting their Wordle on Twitter. My friend Dave, who is colorblind, uh, so when you get the right letter, right position, it turns green. And when you get the right letter, wrong position, it turns yellow. But for him, it's kind of all the same. Did, oh. Would those colors flummox you? No, I think I'm okay with those. It's more of okay. a blue purple. Right. Also, I think on this Micronesian island, it's probably an island full of terrible dressers. <laughs> Before Sikhism was the religion it is today, the turban was worn only by the wealthy upper classes. The person who started the Sikh religion donned the turban to show people that everyone is truly wealthy in spirit, and that is the duty of all people, rich or poor, to help one another. Hmm. Sikh people, the more I learn about them, the more badass they are. Um, I went to a Sikh temple once in India, and I found I was really blown away about how giving these people were. And every day, at a certain time of day, they made a meal meals for 1,300 people at this temple. Wow. And volunteers came. It was like this great temple in New Delhi. And volunteers came, and they sat, and they made you know, non bread and made a couple of different things. No chicken, though. No, it's India. They don't, you know. But... Uh, so yeah, they would sit and then just give away free meals to everyone, no questions asked. Um, wow! So that was That's awesome. Great. Now over to Ethiopia, and this this I can get behind. In Ethiopia, a woman's quote womanliness was determined by her ability to take a live chicken and turn it into a meal ready to eat. 
This includes killing, defeathering, gutting, cook, uh, cutting the meat off, cooking, now most important part, seasoning, and making, making everything that goes along with it. And then she serves it. The women that could serve it the fastest with the best taste were favored over those that were maybe a little slower on the chicken killing. Jeez. I don't think you'd be a very desirable woman in Ethiopia, Alice. No, I would rate low on womanliness. Uh, another person, this is interesting, from Croatia said, in my country, we have no word for cousin. We call our cousins brothers and sisters, and it's the same relationship. When I moved to the U.S. and learned that in some states it's legal to marry your cousin, I was horrified. <laughs> Some of us feel that way, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty wild that you would consider your cousin to be like a brother and sister. I think that's kind of neat. Uh, yeah, they must live very closely together. Yeah. Yeah. It probably has to do with m- multiple families living in the same home and how they manage their family life. Right. It's time to rate your week. Have cool, something daddy. great happen this week that you just have to share with the world? Tell us about it by emailing us at upworthyweekly at upworthy.com. Allison, on a scale of one to five, one being completely awful, five being transplanted. Rate your week. Um, well, I had a birthday this week. So I am now a year older. Uh, that being said, it was a pre- it was a pretty okay week. Um, so I'm going to give it a three point five. It was like you know it was it was a decent week. It wasn't. I feel like I have to give it a little bit of a bump up because I'm still here. Had a birthday, you know, but it was like you know so so. So uh, yeah, three point five. And in terms of whether I'm a better person after we record this. I'm going to go camping slash glamping. I am not a camp slash glamp person. I am pushing myself outside of my comfort zone. So therefore, yes, I am a hero of a better person. That I haven't done it yet, but I will be a better person just any minute now. So yes. So camping makes you a better person because you're like, I got in touch with nature. I'll be forced to because there's no Wi-Fi, so I don't know what I'm going to do. Wait, you're going to be somewhere without Wi-Fi? Isn't that insane, Todd? I don't know what's going to happen. I feel like that's like a that's like a small death. I wish I could download all of Twitter on my phone ahead of time. <laughs> Just so you can have something to <laughs> scroll through. Something yeah, like to people, look at. It, maybe bring a book. Maybe bring Atomic Habits or something. Maybe... Oh, God. You know, take some time to to have something to read. And it'll be good for your eyes after all this digital information you put in there. Are you worried that you're not going to be able to keep up on your stories, on all of your uh, reality yes. television? I'm worried about every, everything you, one could be worried about, I'm worried about. Like, I see, I have two <clears throat> visions. One is me flopping on the bed. And by the way, that's an indication that we're not truly camping, that there's a bed I can flop onto. Going like, oh my God, I can't wait to go home. and the other I'm so like uncomfortable and I hate this Uh, and the other is me like sitting in a camping chair because we bought some camping chairs 
going like, I am so delighted to just be at one with nature. I've never felt better. But the truth is, neither of those are going to happen because my children are going to be with me. So in either of these scenarios, there's not two little kids, you know, all over me, which is what is going needing things from me and, you know, just like being themselves. So the truth is it's going to be neither of those because there's going to be little kids there. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be, I don't know. I'm not going to have Wi-Fi. I am going to have children. So we'll see. And it's going to be hot. I think that once you have kids, and especially you have two, every activity is the same activity. It's just hurting kids. <laughs> like, yes. You're like, so-and-so had a party. Okay, what did you do? I walked around and I followed the three-year-old everywhere, making sure they, they didn't hit their head on a table yes. or pull down their pants or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah, you, can, <laughs> you go camping exactly. and you're just doing that, but you're outdoors, you know. So and these camping chairs that Daniel bought and I appreciate that he went online and bought these chairs. The things that make them special are they're so little, they're the size they fold up to be the size of a water bottle. Uh cool. and they arrived overnight. So they were, you know, we could get them here quickly and they're little. But they're kind of rickety. They're camping chairs. So you put them down. So Elliot, there, you know, we have one set up in our living room, and Elliot is super into it. So he sat on it, but when he goes to stand up, the whole chair tips forward because he's a little bit little for it. So yeah. twice now he has gone to get out of the chair, and the whole thing has fallen forward. So in my mind, I'm like, whatever we do, we can't. We have to make sure not to set this chair up on the edge of a cliff. <laughs> I don't even know if we're going somewhere near a cliff, but in my mind – He's already set up the chair on the edge of a cliff and then gone to get up and fallen down, you know, in off the cliff. So we just have to make sure to set the chair up somewhere where he can fall forward and remain on the same level as us. That's also yes, a very no. kind of a uh, wily e. coyote type death that seems to be plaguing your family. <laughs> yes. Well, it seems fitting somehow. Uh yes, right, because the anvil. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is fitting for us. Um, okay. Scale of zero, awful, or one, awful, to five, transplendent. How was your week? Uh, you know what? It's going to be a 2.5. Oh, wow. Uh, I've been, my work life has been fantastically busy. Uh, Joseph R. Upworthy, CEO and founder, has just been like just beating me over the head with work. So I've had way, like, way too much. It's like, it's like, Todd, get over here. You know, I need a, four, a funny 30 second clip of the podcast. And then it's like, I need uh, I need you to go over there and interview some kids that make robots. And then, you know, it just is constantly, you know, I want you to text Not Allison that. about getting on this other show to promote everything. Yes, 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 Joseph R. Upworthy. So, yeah, I've been very busy. And that's been it's been a little tough. And then my 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 family private life has been very busy because over the course of nine days, it was my mom's birthday, my wife's birthday, my kid's birthday and Mother's wow. Day. And you know what? This happened last year, too. It happened every year is the same. All their birthdays yep. wind up in the same nine day stretch, you know. Right. Um, I don't know who's making the calendar these days, but they're trying to do my head in. Mm -hmm. And so that's a lot of hoops to jump through. There's a lot of 
ways that I could be wrong and that I could screw up somebody's birthday or somebody's Mother's Day. And then, you know, and then you have chaos in the home. You no longer have the fine shalom that we had. So, yes, that made it for a stressful week. Uh, but there was something positive. But, you know, I, I did get to celebrate the people I love, which is great. Uh, one positive thing is I it was a power of the personal touch of something. That And it really, it, it moved me. It was, you know, I went on a far too long rant about how upset I was a couple weeks ago that Gilbert Gottfried had died. Right. So I actually, to support his podcast, I bought a pin for it. And it said, Chico needed the money, which was a Marx Brothers joke. But anyway, so that, hey, more hip stuff here. Todd went Marx Brothers, you know. We're going to make some fatty Arbuckle jokes next week. But so, and I ordered the pin, and the pin came with like a little form that was signed by Frank Santo Padre, his co host, who wrote a personalized, oh, personalized note on me with the pin and made a little drawing like a cartoon and did all that just because I bought like a $15 pin. And it was like, it was so meaningful that the guy took a moment to do that. And it was just a reminder to me of those little personal touches can mean a lot to somebody. And it reminded me of a couple times in my life I have, in order to get in touch with someone, I wrote them a, a letter and I mailed it versus emailing or Twitter or whatever. And I found that if you want to get in touch with somebody, send them a letter. You know, it's if, true. If a listener sent you a letter, you know, of course you'd respond. So, yeah, I thought that was a, it was a really nice touch and it, it, it made my week to have that from uh, Frank Santo Padre. So thank you to that. Are you a better person? No, no, I'm not. I've not done anything to better myself. Maybe I'm a better person because I was selfless and that I was just giving to my mother and my wife and child and doing all that. But I've been eating bad food all week because it's been celebration food, which is like pizza and chicken wings. And I have not meditated. I have not read any life-changing books. Um, oh, no. no. What about Atomic Habits? Did you finish I have, it? I haven't finished it yet. Mm. I've been Same. Too busy. By the way, I looked. 49%. Oh. I had reached 49% of that book. That's pretty far. So you've read more than me. I have. I'm like 50 pages in of a 200-page book. This changes everything. I'd like to thank everybody for listening to Upworthy Weekly. I'd like to thank Allison Rosen. Leave a review before you close out that app. Give us five stars and tell us how great we are. I always think I'm watching This Is Us whenever I hear our theme song. Upworthy Weekly was produced by Todd Perry. Follow Upworthy on all socials at Upworthy. Allison is on Twitter at Allison Rosen. And Todd at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Questions, comments, or to tell us about your amazing week, email us at UpworthyWeekly at Upworthy.com. I'm Marley Balin. Have a great week. Right, like, what do you have for me today, Satan? <laughs>